Good morning. Welcome to church today. Why don't you stand? Let's worship together.
let's give Jesus a shout of praise in this place. You know, last night when OU beat Baylor, I lifted up a great shout of praise to the Lord. But there's something about being in the house of the Lord that gets me even more excited. So one more time, just for me, just for me if we can, let's lift up a shout of praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To the one who died for us, to the one who shed his blood for us. Can we give a shout of praise to God? Hallelujah. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. There's a lot of beautiful people around you before you sit down. Let's meet and greet a couple of them. Good morning and welcome to the assembly. It's so good to see you all. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, hey, if you are new, we would love to connect with you. And one of the ways that we can do that is through our connections card that's located in the seat back in front of you. If you could take some time, fill that out. And here in just a moment, you'll have, an off you'll have an opportunity to put that in the offering buckets as they come by. Well, let me tell you about some great things happening right here in our church. Starting with next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating communion. So be sure to join us for that. It's an incredible time for us as a church, as a whole, to come together and celebrate Christ. And so uh, be sure to not miss next Sunday. Well, this coming Saturday, we have men's and, you ready for this, and women's breakfast starting at 8.30. So it's normally men's breakfast, but we feel like women should be able to eat breakfast every now and then on a Saturday morning as well. Kidding. Um, you can eat as much as you want women on Saturday morning, but it's not just men's breakfast this Saturday, men's and women's at 8.30. Normally it's at 8, so just want you to be sure of that time change there starting at 8.30. Well, Smart Kids, Smart Money is a new class that is kicked off, but here's the deal. It's not too late to join. Check out this video. I was that dad. Messed up with money so badly, I was the guy that filed bankruptcy on September 23rd, 1988. And I was born that year. You see, I had a front row seat of watching Dave and Sharon Ramsey figure out how money works. Imagine if your children didn't have to worry about money, didn't have to carry the burden of debt, and understood what living in contentment really felt like. I'm excited to tell you about Smart Money, Smart Kids. For the first time ever, my dad, Dave Ramsey, and I share our candid and personal perspectives of how to use teachable moments to help your kids build character and win with money. Together, let's raise the next generation to win with money and become generous people who make a difference and give like no one else. So good. Well, right now, we're going to continue worshiping the Lord in our giving and our tithes and offerings, something that the Bible speaks clearly about. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you right now, Jesus. God, we put our hope, we put our trust in you. In every area, even in the times where it finances, maybe it seems tight and things that we want to hold on to, Jesus, we give it to you. We put our trust in you, God. You see us, and I pray, Lord, that we would be cheerful givers this morning. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. This is an exciting day because we get to celebrate with a lot of people that are about to be baptized in water. We have people in our 9 o'clock service who follow through in this way, and now about 11 people that are going to be baptized in water here in just a moment. Water baptism is an example that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 3. 
And so we want to follow through in that way. And what it is, is going public with something that Jesus has done on the inside. I have this wedding band on, and that is an outward sign of a decision that I first made in my heart. Kelly and I committed to each other. We are in covenant with each other. And that is something that happens on the inside. But this wedding band is an outward sign of that inward covenant. Water baptism is the wedding band of Christianity. It is seeing these people immersed in that water saying, my sins are washed away. And when they're raised up, they're symbolic of being raised to that new person, that new creation in Christ Jesus. There's no salvation in the water. There's nothing about the water that changes them. It is the wedding band. It's an outward sign to all of us of this incredible work that has happened and is happening in the heart of each one of these people. And it is celebration. It is an amazing moment in the lives of these people and in the life of our church. As these people have come to know Jesus, they're knowing God and they're finding freedom. And it's awesome. And so what we're going to do is make it a worship experience where we're not just watching them, but we're all going to be standing. We're all going to be singing. And one by one, they're going to be baptized in water. Their names will come up on the screen. And we're just going to be giving thanks to God that they have found in him everything that they were looking for and that Jesus continues to be faithful to find people to make a difference in their life. Amen? Would you stand with me? And let's go ahead and put our hands together for these that are being baptized in water today. And let's worship the Lord as they do.
confess and worship today that you are God, that you are in control. And we are so grateful that you are out in front because today, Lord, people need to know that. People need to experience that. Our hearts reach to those in Paris who have been affected by this attack. We pray for grieving families. We pray for people that are trying to heal. And we ask God that you just surround them, that you minister to them, may peace, may comfort, and may hope rise in their hearts. Lord, we join the millions that are lifting them up right now. And God, as things are unfolding in Kenya, we pray for the people there. We pray, God, for this world that is desperate. And may we be a voice that shouts grace. May we be a voice that ministers hope. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be lifted through every missionary, through every agency that is out there trying to share the good news. Lord, may we be more bold. May we be more courageous. May we be more committed than we've ever been before so that the world can know that you are the Messiah. You are the only way to God. In you is salvation, and we can't find it in any other. So we thank you. We thank you for the virgin birth. We thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection from the dead. We thank you for being our life and our life more abundantly. We thank you that you're coming again to receive us unto yourself. And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever and forever and forever. And all of God's people said, come on one more time. Give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you're seated today. More than ever before, we see the need of the Lord's church being so passionate and focused and clear on mission. With the world at its worst, may the church be at her best. So in order to do that, we have to be clear on vision and figure out how we live the vision. We've been talking about that for a few weeks now, and today is the same. I want to show you our vision statement. It is clear. It is that we exist to serve neighbors and nations so that we have a burden today for people around the world and we have a burden today for people that are in class with us, for people that are in the workplace with us, for our neighbors that live next door and across the street. That it's not one or the other, but that we love God and we love people. That Jesus set this model geographically, Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then fan it out to the entire world. There is nothing like the church to make a difference. There is nothing like the light that shines from the church. There's no other message that has the power. There's no other collection of people that can come together any faster and do any greater work than the church that is passionate for God and passionate for people. Thank you for being a people of vision. Thank you for being a people that care about the Great Commission. How do we fulfill this? How do we live this out? We must be totally focused in helping people know God. We must then help them find freedom. We move from there and we help people to discover purpose. And then finally, we are going to help people make a difference. So out of your story and out of my story, I'm trying to live in such a way and influence people in such a way that they come to know God. And then as they move from there to find freedom, 
And then to realize that we're not just here by default. We are here for purpose. And then finally, through that purpose, you make a difference. That is how we live this out through our own story and then through every ministry of the church. I want to invite you to turn with me to a very important passage of Scripture in 2 Kings. It's in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 7. And I want you to see this in the story that unfolds through these four lepers that were desperate. 2 Kings chapter 7, starting in verse 3. Once you find it, follow with me. Also, it's on the screen as well. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, Why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there, and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. Here's a profound statement. If they kill us, then we die. I love scripture because not only do we see the story, but it goes beyond that. We are allowed by God to listen into their thinking. This is how they're thinking. Then it leads to this discussion they have. And so we pick it up in verse 5. At dusk, they got up and went into the camp of the Aramans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and Egyptian kings to attack us. So they got up, fled into the dusk, and abandoned their tents, their horses, and donkeys. They left the camp as it was, and they ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents, and ate and drank. Then they took silver, gold, and clothes, went off and hid them. One version says they they stacked them up, stockpiled them. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Then they said to each other, What we're doing is not right. This is a day of good news, and we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. So they went and called out to the city gatekeepers and told them, We went into the Aramean camp, and no one was there, not a sound of anyone, only tethered horses and donkeys, and the tents left just as they were. So what they're telling these gatekeepers is we found everything that everyone is looking for. The gatekeeper shouted the news and it was reported within the palace. See, first of all, how God impacts human nature. You have four lepers. That alone tells us that they are in a desperate situation. That condition means they're ostracized. They're outside of the city. The nation of Israel is desperate, but they can't exist among the people. They are outcast. They're in the desert. And so they have this key conversation. If we keep doing what we're doing, we will die. Here is the way salvation works. God begins to press on your thinking just like he pressed upon their thinking. That what you're doing isn't working. You may not know exactly 
how to respond to see things change. You just know, if I keep doing this, I shouldn't expect a different result. I don't know what will happen. They're they're, they're being pressed by God with this idea, this leading of going from where they were to this camp where there's provision, but they have no clue how that would work out. Matter of fact, they're thinking it may not work out. They just know if they stay where they are, they will surely die. When God begins to deal with you, you will start having this conversation with yourself. Many of us in this room, we've already had this conversation. God pressed in upon our thinking and we realized life's not working. It's not working out in any way. Matter of fact, the more we do, the the worse it gets. It's like this pit and we can't get out of it. But at the same time, there's this leading of making a change. This idea of turning to God. This idea that Christianity may work, but when we consider that, we don't understand exactly how that will happen. So we're not sure about the future. We just have this leading. What we are sure about is if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to die. That's how the Lord begins to press in upon our thinking. Then at that point, they decide to open up their hearts to this, what was a bizarre, what was an unusual thing for them to do. For many of you, you can't imagine turning your life to God. It would be unusual. It would be bizarre. But yet you feel in your heart a leading. Don't understand it. Hadn't figured it all out. You just know life's not working with the way you're living. So they turn to God, and when they turn to God and start moving according to that leading, they step into a victory of a battle that had already been won. It says they went to the camp, and when they got to the edge of the camp in the first tent, they went in and there was everything. The enemy was gone. The camp was available. Everything they needed was there in abundance. Many people, when they get to the point of saying, life's not working, they will like make this cry from the heart, God, if you'll do something, I'll follow you. When God is saying, and he's trying to press in on your thinking where you get it, where you understand that he's saying, hey, I've already done it. Now, if you'll just follow me, you'll start to experience the victory of the battle I've already won for you. See, God doesn't need to do anything today. He's already done it through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has suffered all sin of all humanity, every sin you've ever committed. And he bore it, and he was broken by it, and he was buried as a result of it because he died in your place and mine. But he rose again with victory. Now, when you and I just orient our hearts to God, it's called conversion. It's called salvation. It's called redemption. We begin to experience the victory of the battle he has already won. As they go in, they start finding everything that they were needing, and they found it in abundance. Jesus said this about the thief, about the enemy of your life and mine, that he comes with an agenda, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. Then Jesus says, here's my mission. 
I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One version says that you would have life to the full. Now take that very leading given by Jesus. Put it over this story. Here are these lepers. They have no joy. They have nothing but despair. Death is lurking. They know that the end is near. So there's despair. There's discouragement. There's depletion. There's sickness. It couldn't be any worse. And yet God begins to press on their thinking that there's an option. They didn't know how it would work out, but they took God at his leading, at his word. And they moved into finding everything they were lacking, except they found it in abundance. So if you're lacking joy because you don't know Jesus... When you orient your life and submit your life to Jesus, you not only find joy, you find it in abundance. If you have no hope because life's not working and you orient your life to Jesus, you not only will find hope, you will find hope in abundance. Over in this life that's not working, there's no peace. You can hardly sleep. Your mind is racing. Things are falling apart. You orient your life to Jesus, you will find peace and you will find it in abundance. That is the amazing blessing of knowing God. Let me put it on the screen. Here's why we exist, so that people can know God. If you know him, you know what I'm saying. You know, it's, it's described in an illustration by Peter, who is one of the writers of the New Testament, that he turns us from darkness to light, like complete opposites. You didn't have anything, and it was described as a death-like experience, but now you have light, and it's described as life, and it's awesome, and it's beyond description. You walk into a provision of everything you're lacking, except the provision is in abundance. So, where are you? at the place where you say, man, life's not working. And at the same time, you've ended up here. Because it's part of this whole plan where God's pressing in on your heart. But there's an option. There is another way. And you're here and you don't understand all about Christianity. You don't know Bible verses. The only thing you know of Jesus is what's been in your history or maybe what you've seen on TV or what you've seen of other other people. And in no way am I saying that that's a skewed view. I'm just saying you sit here today and you don't know the full experience that is waiting on you. You just know there's something pressing in on your heart that's helping you to have some clarity. You keep doing what you're doing and it's only going to get worse. But at the same time, there's this leading this option. And if you will turn to that, if you will just take steps, look at the power of steps represented by this story. Some versions would even indicate that their depleted shuffle toward that enemy's camp, it's like God stuck the microphone to that shuffle and then put it through some type of special effects, heavenly system 
until when he dropped it into the minds and the ears of the enemy, it sounded like chariots rolling and armies marching. It became the sound that scared the enemy so much. They didn't... How scared are you when you don't grab your horse and get out of Dodge? They left their horses. They left... They, they ran for their life into the darkness of the night because God is just that awesome. <clears throat> if you will start taking steps, maybe being here is something you, can, you should consider as a step. Take the next step. Surrender your heart. And watch how God will turn those steps into something that leads you to everything you've been looking for and even more. Then, find freedom. Because when you start experiencing abundance in what you've lacked, in that experience, you're going to have freedom begin to work in your heart and your mind. Sociologists have coined a phrase. It's called redemption and lift. And, and here is the study. They've done it on cultures. They've done it on countries. And it says that when religion comes into a country or comes into a culture, they can chart it that that redemption of the heart ends up resulting in the lift of the culture. And lift means there is an impact made on educational development. Even the economy begins to reflect the lift, and it's all coming from what's happened in the heart of men and women. I have seen this with my own eyes. Let me use Uganda as an example. You have an entire area where now it is infiltrated with Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching pastors. Those ministers and ministries are reaching other people and redemption is coming where false religion has dominated. As a result of the gospel coming, now there is lift because I've watched medical ministry happen. Now there's educational development where I see school after school where children are being educated and I see the economy. It's got such a long way to go, but even the economy is experiencing a lift because once people come to know God, then they start finding freedom. Now let me bring it home. There's a man that I know. He, he lost more money than, than I'm going to say in this room to gambling. He had an addiction to gambling. It was the master of his life. When he came to know God and found that in Jesus there was a resource and a source of fulfillment that gambling and anything else could not fill in his soul. Then gambling, because he was moving into a, an abundance of love and peace and, and realizing who created him and, and the blessing of salvation. Gambling lost mastery over his life. He found freedom. The result of that freedom, and let me quote him, Ron, 
Since I've quit gambling, I have enough money to pay our bills and some left over. And I now have money to put toward my kids' education. Redemption lift. It has changed even the economy of his life. But it didn't start on the outside. It started on the inside. Reminding us that Jesus is not the great I was. He is. Let me make sure. He's not just the great I was. He did a profound work in history. He's not just the great I will be. Where we're all going to one day as believers be in his presence forever. He is still the great I am. Meaning he works in, in humanity. He works with you who you are, where you are, and what's going on in your life. And if something has mastery over you, the power of Jesus, hear it, the power of Jesus will begin to work in your soul. And as you understand what it is to know him and to experience him and to dig into what it means to grow spiritually, it is going to work a freedom from that mastery and your redemption is going to lead to a lifting of your life from the inside out until even the economy of your family will change. Know God. Find freedom. Discover purpose. These lepers, they go into one tent and they get provision, silver and gold. They go and stack it up. They go into another tent, get more, stack it up. They go into another and get food and drink. It's, it's amazing. It's just more than they've ever seen. It's like from darkness to light. They, they just were in the desert with nothing dying. And now they have everything. And then they say, wait a minute. We're not doing right. For this is a day of good news and we're keeping silent. We're keeping all of this to ourselves. Now they're starting to discover purpose. Because once you come to know God and you're finding freedom in that provision of grace that's giving you freedom and a changed life, you come to realize, wait a minute, that wasn't intended to stop with you. It was intended to then be passed on to others who are where you used to be. So if I remember a day where there was a deficit of life and I know the whole world is dying, then I don't wait. I go and tell people that there's hope in Jesus. If I came with a deficit of joy, a famine of joy and hopelessness, and now in Jesus I found joy like a... It's not from the outside in. There's a joy that originates within my heart that Jesus has put there. I don't wait. I go and tell a world that is so depressed that it's falling apart that there's joy in Jesus. If I came from a deficit of a sense of purpose and now I'm finding that my life matters, then I don't wait. I go and tell people. That in Jesus you can find the purpose for which you were created. We've been given the good news. And we cannot remain silent. Know God. Find freedom. 
discover purpose. And then finally, make a difference. It says that these lepers, they didn't even wait for daylight. They said, wait a minute, we've got all these blessings. And this is not just a hoard so that we can sit on the perch of our blessings and judge others who are where we used to be. No, this is good news. We must share it. And so they went even before the break of day and they shouted it to the gatekeepers because they weren't allowed in the city. How much could we spend talking about what it's like to go share good news with people who want nothing to do with you? How easy would it have been to say, you know, the whole city needs this, but look how they've treated us. Let's just keep it to ourselves. They went early the next day and they said, we found it, we found it, everything that everybody's looking for. And the gatekeepers, they share it with the palace, which means they told the king. So you have four lepers sharing the good news with the king. The challenge that this teaches us as believers and as a church is to never, ever, ever forget that we were once lepers without hope, didn't belong. But by grace, we've been saved and changed and included and brought near and made part of the family of God. And we will not then take the blessings of salvation and freedom and form our own camp and keep others out who need the same message. Critical thing that is happening right now in culture is that Christians are being seen more and more as the enemy. And the challenge will be, can we love even our enemies and share this message even with our enemies? When you're shut out and cut off, it is a very real consideration to just say, Lord, I I want to keep myself right. I want our church to be right. But it has gotten so messy out there. And there's now this antagonism toward the believer. We will just thank God that we have found you. But the idea of really making a difference. And if we have had a struggle with an urgency to share this story... It's not going to get easier with culture being as it is. It's only going to get more challenging. And if we aren't careful, we can literally like sit on the top of our stockpile of blessings and become judgmental to the people who are where we used to be. But because they're antagonistic toward us, that spirit of judgmentalism rises in us. And we'll get into a battle that God's not fighting. What do I mean? It doesn't matter what Starbucks 
puts on their cup. Listen, listen, don't clap, don't clap, just listen. You hadn't clapped all day, so just don't clap now. Because Jesus is not our agenda. He never has been and he never will be. Jesus is our hope. And if you get caught up in being concerned about a corporation designing a cup that offends you, you will end up fighting a battle that God's not in. And we make Jesus the agenda. And it raises the antagonism with those that we are trying to reach. We were once sinners. We've been saved by grace. None of us deserve it. It's the merits of Jesus Christ that allow us to be loved by God and accepted by God and reconciled to God and made righteous in the eyes of God. We're free today because he's given us resources to be free. Now that story of our sinfulness, our leprosy, through the personality we were given and gifts and talents, it all merges together so that we go out into the world not with Jesus as our agenda, but with Jesus as our hope. That we found him to be everything we were looking for and he filled us with hope where we were once hopeless. Now we go out to the world and we shout it just as they did to the gatekeepers. Jesus is the hope of the world. We have the good news. There are some cities and I mean, there are just areas that are out of control. And I've heard people say, God's going to destroy this city. Really? He loves those people. He would rather them be saved than to perish without him. He said he's, he's come that the world would not be condemned, but that through him they would be redeemed. We have the good news. And more than ever before, we could just create a camp and, and say, thank God we can daily read our Bibles and pray and worship. And then we can come here on Sunday and worship. And it's like, just go through the blessings. Go through the blessings because the more you go through, it's just continual. There's stockpiles of this stuff that God has provided and close down the camp. May we be ignited in our hearts to say the world is at its worst. So we choose to submit to God and be at our best. And we will be found trying to make every person to know God. We can only do that by the life of love and example that we set in the message that we give through the ministries that we can do through our personal story and then through however we can affect people through more of a ministry team or organization, a missionary, a mission or a ministry here within the community that one more person would come to know God where they find I was Dying. 
And I knew it. And I knew if I stayed there, it wouldn't get any better. But God, who's rich in mercy, pressed in upon my thinking that there was another way and another life. And when I submitted to him, I walked into everything I was lacking in abundance. Now I have freedom being worked in my life. And I have a sense of purpose that gets me up in the morning. And I'm using my story to make a difference so that others who are where I used to be can know the same truth. May this moment of truth for you and me find us remembering where he found us and saying, Lord, it's a day of good news. When people are broken and shattered like they are in Paris, there's only one who can give peace. People living in fear, there's only one who can confront a spirit of fear. Families falling apart and lives falling apart, there is only one who can put it all back together. That's the good news you and I have. To share with people. With your eyes closed, I, I want to shift the focus to those of you who need to make that decision today. Like as in life's not working, you're at that desperate place. If you keep waiting, you will not escape. If you keep doing what you're doing, it's never going to get better. It will only get worse. You know who you are. It's like you're drowning in the despair. You're lost. You're searching. You're in this moment. You're looking in the mirror of your soul. And you're asking yourself, why die here? Why keep doing this? God is pressing in. And he's saying, follow me. You've heard his voice for whatever reason. Maybe you put it off. But today, it's time to go all in. Are you ready? Is your soul telling you right now, this is the moment. I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care. I am desperate. Are you realizing that Jesus died and rose from the dead for you? so that you might have that same life-giving power? Are you ready to break away from where you've been? Are you ready to break away from what's holding you down? This is your moment. And if I'm talking to you, I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a few seconds. To say yes by standing where you are. Saying I can't go another day like it is. Today. I'm going to experience the freedom of surrender. When I give you this opportunity to stand. 
you're going to feel something that's wanting to keep you seated. Please know that's not gravity. That's the enemy of your soul. He doesn't want you to experience grace, freedom, purpose, and impact. So when you feel that, know that is a force that is just trying to keep you trapped. Press against it. Press against it by grace. If you do, this is when you feel the moment of transition. This is when you experience conversion. This is when the power of salvation really registers inside of you. I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if I'm talking to you, I want you to stand where you are. One, two, three. That's you. Just stand. 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 That's it. That's it. That's it. You're never going back. You're never the same after today. If you stood or you needed to stand, go on, stand. Join these that are already standing. Join these that are already standing. That's you. Here's what we're going to do. Everybody in this room senses the, the weight of this moment. And those of us who have made this journey, we are celebrating in our hearts for what's about to unfold in your life. Everything you have been lacking, you're going to find it in Jesus in abundance. So I'm going to ask Susie just to start singing in a moment, Christ is enough. And every one of you who are standing, I'm going to meet you right here down front. And we're going to pray together. If you're not standing, but you know you should be, as they come, you come. Lord, I thank you for what you're about to do right now. In the name of Jesus. Begin to come. Come meet me. Why don't we celebrate these people? Jesus, 
you have been pressing on the heart of each person here. I know it. It's the way you work. And it's because you love us. You've been pressing upon the heart of each person a new way, another way, a way of life, a way of grace, a way of freedom, a way of fulfillment. And I thank you that they have responded. That's all they can do. They can't change themselves and I can't change them. All they can do is surrender, just respond. And they have done that. Now, to each one of you who have come forward, I want to lead you in a prayer. It's just to help you articulate to the Lord what is in your heart. So would you repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I'm yours. Come to you as I am. You know my past. You know what's happening in me right now. And I'm desperate for you. I can't make it without you. And I recognize you're who I need. I recognize you're everything I've been missing. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Set me in this new direction. I will follow you. And I will walk into the victory of the battle you have won for me. Even now, I experience your grace. Floods into my heart. Your peace comes. All of the questions that are a result of things I've done or things that have been done to me, I just give it all to you. Lord Jesus, from this point forward, I'm going to experience your abundance. I'm going to experience freedom and realize that I have a purpose. And it's a purpose that you've created me to know. And my history does not take away that purpose. My story is going to be used for me to tell others about you. I give you the past, all of the sin, the guilt that comes with it, the regret that comes. I give it all to you. Lift it off of my spirit. Take it out of my heart. Orient me to the new day, the new life. Even now, hope rises in my heart. And I haven't experienced that in a long time. Thank you for hope. Thank you for motivation, for the thought that everything's going to be okay, and even beyond. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. These team members are going to talk with you for a few minutes and just make sure that we can help you on this journey. Church, thank you for your carefulness of concentration today and to take in the Word. This is what it's all about. This is why we exist. And thank you. Now, let's go and break the silence. Tell everybody we see. Tell everybody we know in an appropriate, effective way that God will give us that Jesus is the hope that they're looking for. Bring somebody with you next week. 
we're going to end the service with communion the Sunday before Thanksgiving. It's going to be, I think, very, very special. God bless you, everybody. You're dismissed.